time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Monday edition of the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer Michael Bronner, joining you this afternoon. Hope everyone had a spectacular weekend and as things begin to sizzle and heat up this week along the Gulf Coast, of course, everything was sizzling and there was a freeze warning this weekend in Auburn as Hugh Freeze has really turned the recruiting notch up a little bit. So we'll talk about the Big Cat weekend and the recruiting ramifications for the Auburn Tigers. We'll talk about South Alabama. South Alabama has a lot of commitments coming in this weekend and today as well. We'll jump into Lee Hodges winning the 3M Open. And, of course, we'll cover what's going on with NFL training camps as our very own Williamson High School's Roger McCreary Jr. in camp with the Tennessee Titans. We'll talk a little bit with someone who covers the Tennessee Titans, which will be letting us know how Roger McCrary is doing. Chase McCabe will join us along with Zach Blackerby. Ryan Green will get us caught up on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tony Sakalis will catch us up on the Crimson Tide. So a very busy Monday edition of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And... Some of the biggest news of the day, Michael Bronner, I know is surrounding high school football is, of course, Baldwin County High School Football Media Days held today in Daphne, Alabama. And the biggest high school news to me today was the fact that Sterling Dixon Jr. makes his high school decision, and that decision is to transfer to Spanish Ford. Of course, Sterling Dixon Jr., the University of Alabama verbal commit. He's been a strong verbal commit to the Crimson Tide for the longest now, but he steps away, transfers from Mobile Christian, and is now going to be a Spanish Fort Toro. So, of course, that region is always one that is the toughest in the state of Alabama. And Michael Bronner, with the addition of Sterling Dixon Jr., it gets a little bit tougher now. Yeah, we know how talented uh, Sterling Dixon is. We know how talented that Region 6A is. It, it seemed like the writing was on the wall for Sterling that he was going to end up at one of those schools. I, I know Theodore was one that a lot of people had mentioned. I mean, the idea of Saraland I had seen thrown out. I mean, man, if he had ended up at Saraland, I, I think a lot of people would have would have uh, would have been upset about that one. But ultimately, I, I was surprised to see it is Spanish Ford. I, I really did think it was going to be Theodore, but good for Sterling. I, I think it's going to be a great landing spot for him and uh, make that Toro's defense a little bit meaner. I mean, that was a great game between Spanish Ford and Saraland last year over at Spartan Stadium. So I believe they have them over on over at Spanish Fort this year. So uh, you know, it certainly gives them a much better shot at beating them now. 
Chase Smith in 6A Region 1. Of course, when you do look at 6A Region 1, you do have the Theodores. You have the St. Paul's. You have Spanish Ford. You have Saraland. Of course, you have McGill, Tulin, Blunt, Baldwin County, Robertsdale, and Murphy. So not an easy region. Again, one of the toughest regions in the entire state of Alabama. We used to call 6A Region 1 the SEC West for sure, but there's a couple of classifications that are really tough to try to top to bottom to make the playoffs, and that's 6A along with 5A. But Chase Smith is able to have a tremendous football player added to his roster in Sterling Dixon Jr. And the Toros, like you mentioned, having an opportunity a year ago not to have necessarily a bad season, but it's one of those to where in the past, the tradition of Spanish Fort and the state championships that have been won, I mean, you lose to Saraland last year, 35-24, to 24, right in week number five. I think the only disappointment for Toro's fans was the fact that they lost a heartbreaker in the first round of the playoffs to Pike Road, at Pike Road one year ago. And you look at the win-losses, 7-4 and four was their overall record from one year ago. And just continuing to try to get better will Chase Smith and the Spanish Fort Toros. Now, that is the Spanish Fort news. That is the Sterling Dixon Jr. news in regards to his decision to leave and go to Spanish Fort. And as he joined us for Mobile's Finest, just some 12 sacks away from setting the Alabama High School Athletic Association all-time sack record. So that's a huge accomplishment or milestone for him to shoot for this season and the Toros have always been stingy they've always been a very competitive team and a, a tough team to try to beat and you mentioned having Sarah Land at home this season so that will be a bonus also high school media days as I mentioned just moments ago being started and kicked off this week across the state of Alabama as many teams who did not opt in to a spring football game will have an opportunity today to go ahead and, and participate in shells. Of course, you have to have three or four mandatory shell practices before you can go ahead and put off the helmet and the shoulder pads, and you can definitely understand why to get back acclimated. But football season is here, and the big news out of Big Cat Weekend, it wasn't the fact that Hugh Freeze got thrown into the student rec pool. It was why he was thrown into the student hmm. rec pool at on the campus of Auburn University. It, it's because Hugh Freeze has just flat out been getting it done in recruiting for the Auburn Tigers, and he had one Perry Thompson, also known as Uno, from Foley High School, five-star wide receiver, to go ahead and flip his decision from Alabama to Auburn. And you could have kind of seen the writing on the wall the last two and a half months as Perry's become a frequent guest on the Plains at Auburn. But, Michael Brown, you had a chance to catch up with Perry Thompson briefly at high school media days. I did. I'll go ahead and play that in a second. Yeah, as for reaction to the Perry Thompson news, 
like I said on Friday, uh, and you kind of just said it too, writing's kind of been on the wall here. Not really much of a surprise. Uh, good for Perry. He feels like it's it's the best place for him. You know, wants to kind of write his own legacy and, and uh, you know, be part of that turnaround that does certainly appear to be coming at Auburn. I mean, Hugh Freeze is, uh, is, is doing as good of a job as you can possibly expect or hope for if you're an Auburn fan from a recruiting standpoint right now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the momentum's only going to keep rolling. And, you know, as one domino falls, more dominoes continue to fall. So, uh, you know, we'll see if, we'll see if uh, you know, if Demarcus Riddick and Perry Thompson can, can continue to turn into more guys. But, yeah, so here's Perry Thompson today. He uh, re was representing Foley at Baldwin County Media Days. Here with Foley wide receiver, now Auburn commit Perry Thompson. Perry, first of all, congratulations, man. I know it's been a long process for you. Yes, sir. Thank you. So, Big Cat weekend, obviously, you know, it feels like the decision's been coming. Coach and y'all kind of confirmed it over the weekend. Take us through the last, you know, three weeks a bit and your commitment. Last three weeks, it was really just who I have the best relationship with, coach-wise, player-wise. Really just that where that welcoming feeling is. And I went up to Big Cat um, last week, had that welcoming feeling. I really, I even went around um, the campus with, like, a scooter, just, just feeling like home, and it felt like home, so I went and committed. What separated Auburn from Alabama for you? Because ultimately, obviously, it came down to the two schools in state. Really, just cute freeze, what he can do with receivers, how he did with his previous receivers he had. I know he's a receiver specialist, so I know he's going to push me to my top. What are you expecting as you arrive on campus freshman year at Auburn? You know, you're kind of entering a, a Hugh Freeze era where you have an opportunity to be part of the turnaround, whereas Alabama is obviously an established program. Is that something that was attractive to you in committing to Auburn? Yes, I really just that legacy I can make at Auburn. I know Alabama produced great receivers, but at the same time, I just wanted to have my own legacy. What are your goals for senior year for Foley? Senior year, uh, me and my quarterback are on the same page. I'd say around 1,600, 1,800 receiving yards. and. I'm going to get my touchdown off that by 20, 20 plus touchdowns. Perry Thompson, Foley, thank you, Perry. Yes, sir. You know, Perry, with very lofty expectations, very lofty goals for Coach Derek Scott and the Foley Lions, and Coach Scott, tremendous turnaround with that Foley Lion program as a whole. But just cutting straight into the the main course and asking Perry, you know, what went into it? And he felt like the opportunity to have immediate playing time, I think, was something that really intrigued Perry. And being a five-star recruit and knowing that as a true freshman, you have a chance to go make that difference for Hugh Freeze. And that was just the beginning. I mean, Malcolm Simmons committed during yeah. Big Cat Weekend. An underrated one. And that was a, a another great get by Hugh Freeze. So when you look at overall, I know KJ, is it Bolton? KJ Bolden. Bolden. KJ Bolden, he's another five-star recruit, said, look, Auburn has moved into his top two as far as he even went as far to say that Hugh Freeze, he would talk to him last. That would be the last coach he would speak with prior to him making his commitment or his verbal commitment. And when you start hearing news like that, I've said it and I'll continue to say it. You know, Auburn was non-existent. Any Auburn fan or even, even non-Auburn fan would tell you that Auburn was non-existent for the last three years from a recruiting standpoint. There, there was not a lot of hype, not a lot of buzz being generated by the former regime that 
was running the Tigers program. But now, as soon as Hugh Freeze comes in, he literally makes a huge splash. And that big splash, I mean, would, would Nick Saban get thrown into his lake or hmm. into any type of swimming pool by his recruits? Probably not. You, you just, those are the type of things that, you know, young people want to be able to, to have some type of, hey, look, man, this is this guy's down as down to earth as they come. And that's why when you do see Coach Saban doing virtual reality yeah. with the goggles, it shows that humanistic side of him. It shows his current status of, of being able to go ahead. Now, Coach Saban loves to get out on the lake. He loves to see the guys go tubing. He loves to see them wipe out. And that type of relationship that you can build on Coach Saban's boat is great as well. But, I mean, for the recruits to pick up Hugh Freeze and to throw him in the campus wreck pool, I, I thought, you know, that that's, that's a pretty good showing there of how the tide is starting to turn from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, as for getting to the main course with uh, with Perry there, I you know I only had less than two minutes. I <laughs> I had to make those questions count, didn't I? But yeah, the uh, it, it certainly looked like a good time at Big Cat Weekend. We'll we'll see what happens with KJ Bolden. If they land KJ Bolden too, which for the record I don't think is gonna happen. Like I I think KJ is gonna end up at Georgia. Uh, that's where it feels most likely. I mean he's got a bunch of Buford teammates that are at Georgia and you know his quarterback Dylan Raiola is going to Georgia so like it, it really feels like he's going to Georgia man if they if Auburn finds a way to land KJ Bolden the the hype machine is gonna start to start to run out of control a little bit no I, I think it's great for Auburn I think it's great for Alabama because now you have to go ahead if you're Nick Saban and the staff you have to continue to maintain the great relationships that you have not to say Nick Saban is not the hardest working coach that you'll ever find but a lot of that's going to go in and depend on him his demeanor his staff's demeanor and the relationship that you ultimately have outside of your position coach because any prospective student athlete will tell you the most important person that you bond with is your position coach because that's the person you spend the most time with so you know Nick Saban not necessarily being a position coach we know he loves a coach defensive backs but for Uno Thompson Perry Thompson to make that tremendous decision and again you look also you win your local backyard with Benjamin Russell's Malcolm Simmons. I think that that's huge, too. And you see so many of these young people be dual athletes. And we'll talk a little bit about the dual athletes that South Alabama are continuing to get as well. And a lot of other high school athletes making their verbal commitments over the weekend. And as of today, also, we'll cover all that on the other side of this first break here on a Monday edition of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. This is Will Herring, a member of the Auburn family. When I'm in Mobile, I listen to WNSP 105.5.
Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Broder, joining you on this Monday afternoon. And again, if you have not done so, please download the free Sound of Mobile app. That's a free download of Sound of Mobile app to where all you have to do is click on WNSP and you're able to correspond with us here in the app as we approach high school football season college football season nfl season all approaching this is we have nfl preseason football already coming up for us this week and can't wait for that along with high school football getting started for those teams that did not participate in a spring game but here locally south alabama and kane womack continuing to get it done from a recruiting standpoint South Alabama gets that verbal commit from Vigers athlete Jerry and Graham. And I say athlete because he's also a 5A state championship sprinter in the 100-meter dash. He goes ahead and commits to South Alabama over Troy and some other Sunbelt Conference schools. And Marcus Cook getting it done over there because Brandon Purifoy the up-and-coming rising senior linebacker who led them in tackles as a true freshman is now also verbally committed to Mississippi Valley State. So you have Brandon Purifoy committing to Mississippi Valley State from Viger. You also have Jerry and Graham who makes that verbal commit to the Wolfpack, well, from the Wolfpack to becoming a Jaguar. So congratulations there. And you look at, that's the 12th, 24 verbal commitment by Kane Womack, the ninth inside the state of Alabama. As South Alabama also gets another commitment from a huge defensive end, Nathan Jennings, six foot five, 240 pounds. He chooses the Jaguars over Troy, Arkansas State, and Georgia Southern. So South Alabama with two verbal commits and Jerry and Graham and Nathan Jennings in the class of 24. Brandon Purifoy committing verbally to Mississippi Valley State. Of course, we mentioned earlier University of Alabama verbal commit. Sterling Dixon Jr.'s decision to transfer to Spanish Fort. Also locally, B.C. Rain. They're, they have a player who's going to stay in the Sun Belt Conference, Ashton Wright, the big defensive lineman, 6'4", 274, decided to stay with the Jaguars over offers from UAB and, and Georgia Southern. Excuse me, he's going to Louisiana. So he'll be going and becoming a raging Cajun. So, I mean, just verbal commitments everywhere here this weekend and that's what you start to see more and more of it certainly is commitment season isn't it man absolutely and of course i know you know my best friend gene smith he always taps in he lives in atlanta and he taps into what goes on in this area because he's always interested in what are the alabama commitments looking like what of auburn's commitments looking like well over the last couple of years auburn commitments have look very sparse but I mean when you look at Hugh Freeze being able to go ahead and, and get Demarcus Riddick and getting that ball rolling I think it, it just continues again just to, to make the state of football here in Alabama even greater now with Perry Thompson not being the first player that 
off the top of my head, I recall taking a the a, Auburn Alabama flip, right, or, or vice versa. Or vice versa. You know, one of the ones that I really locally, T.J. Yeldon. Yep, that's the big one. T.J. Yeldon, really, and, and you look back, that happened almost 11 years ago, back in 2012. The the great Daphne running back decided. He had verbally committed to Auburn, and then he decided to go ahead and make that an Alabama commitment. And and Reuben Foster, yeah, Reuben Foster is one of those to where I think when he flipped twice, if I'm not mistaken. You're at Auburn High School, right in the Tigers' backyard, and you go ahead and you flip Foster. Of course, a couple of years later, then T.J. Yeldon and Foster goes ahead and makes that ultimately the Crimson Tide commit, and one that. You know, you, you really kind of forget about Quanjo, Cyrus, Quanjo. You remember Cyrus Quanjo? Might have been a little bit before mm. you were all in to Alabama football, but he was a five-star offensive tackle. And he went ahead and, and flipped it as well. So, you know, he had a brother that, that played at Alabama uh, also. Quandre, that's right. So, you know, you look at the Quanjo brothers, but those kind of flips really whatever, hap- whatever happened to him? E- e- which one? Cyrus. I, d- I don't know. I know Cyrus was having problems, knee injuries, but he did he did play five years in the NFL. He just kind of bounced around a lot. I mean, he was a first-team All-American and kind of left, He you know, second-round pick. Uh, initially from the Buffalo Bills, but did bounce around a little bit also. But I got a couple for you. My my home state of New Jersey, Rutgers, mm-hmm. has had two running backs. They've had both Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley were both committed to Rutgers at one point. Taylor, of course, ended up at Wisconsin, and obviously Barkley ended up at Penn State. But both of them were initially committed to Rutgers big what if for uh for the scarlet knights <laughs> that makes the uh the three rutgers fans you know they they uh they're upset about that one well there's you know there's always those and again this is a different era and age of recruiting because in the past if you committed and you went ahead and you enrolled in classes you you and you transferred you were going to have to sit and that's where this transfer portal become so huge and that's why it was another literally a big cat weekend and when your head coach i'm gonna say it over and over again shows the ability to relate to the players and being able to be thrown into the pool bomb and absolutely loving it the biggest hype man has to be the head coach and that's what auburn is bringing and they also with this mess that's going on with at northwestern Auburn even gets another commitment from an offensive lineman, a six foot four, three hundred and five offensive line, Dylan Seeden and Osinda. And I mean, if there's an opportunity there to hit the transfer portal and to be able to capitalize pl- prior to classes starting at Northwestern, now's the time to leave Northwestern is if you're going to get out. And for Hugh Freeze to say, look, I know that the issue of offensive line I need to create depth there there's a great way to do it because there's no repercussions from transferring now and having to sit out and I don't know you know with the legislation that's trying to be put in processed I don't know that that's going to change things but Kane Womack getting it done throughout the state of Alabama Auburn and Hugh Freeze getting it done Alabama's nowhere near done as far as from a recruiting standpoint because 
they had their recruiting weekend. But I will ask you this. I don't know if you saw this or not. On an official visit or on a recruiting dinner, did you see what the University of Michigan served up? No. No, I missed this. So they had hot dogs, chicken fingers, macaroni and cheese. Now, I'm going to get you to post this on our on our web and you'll be able to correspond with us on the app. But when you see pictures of what they served the recruits that were on campus, my oh my oh my shame on Michigan. But you're talking I mean Hot Brother. dogs, chicken fingers, mac and cheese. I mean, wait until you see the picture of them. Do though. they look bad, man? It, it, let's put it like this: you're, with the you're budget saying, that you're Michigan saying three has, good, you're saying three good things. For the, yeah, but like, it's like some high school kids aren't going to be upset about hot dogs, chicken, and mac and cheese when it looks like it came out of a a Walmart bag. I got to take a look at this. It, it's pretty interesting. I bet it was good though. Uh, compared to to <laughs> what barbecue, Brisket. cater? Yes. I, I would say not. Joining us next, we'll catch up to find out how the Crimson Tides recruiting weekend went. They had a big one as well. Tony Sakalis joins us next here on The Final Drive. Hi, this is Saran Stacy. You're listening to WNSB 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you on this Monday afternoon. And I tell you, you know, I know that my lunch was a, probably a whole hell of a lot better than what Michigan's recruits right, Admittedly, saw. I hadn't seen the picture. I told you, Brauner. Listen, the mac and cheese... No. Looks pretty good. No. The no. hot dog and chicken are no are sad looking. Brother. I, I, I will agree. The mac and cheese looks fine, but ugh, the rest of it, eesh. Brother, there's no way. Uh, I, I don't care what kind of catering company you used. Man, that looks like a, when you have a five-star recruit budget and you put that in front of those recruits, unbelievable that Coach Harbaugh and them would get caught slipping like that. You want to talk about ammunition and there's no ammunition needed by Ohio State in the Michigan robbery or no ammunition needed by Auburn fans in the Alabama-Auburn robbery that is the Iron Bowl. Tony Sakalis knows a thing or two about the in-state robbery with Alabama and Auburn. And, Tony, I tell you, you know, the talk of the town, of course, has been Hugh Freeze and Auburn kind of turning it up a little bit, putting a freeze warning on this state and Coach Nick Saban. But... Alabama's always able to hold their own when it comes down to maintaining recruits and developing those four- and five-star recruits. Yeah, I mean, Alabama's doing well, but, you know, when you look at Auburn right now, they're, they're the hot team. Uh, you know, two huge flips, one from Georgia, one from Alabama, and uh, they really announced themselves. You know, I think uh, – Obviously, you were kind of expecting this with Hugh Freeze. He's a recruiter. He, you know, we've seen him do this at Ole Miss. But uh, this is basically the, the coming out party, at least from recruiting. Now, we'll see how it goes, you know, on the field. And obviously, they're going to have to do a lot better there. But uh, if I was an Auburn Tiger fan, I think I'd be pretty excited just, you know, with the recent, you know, the, you know, the recent additions. Absolutely, with the recent additions. And Alabama, again, when you look at where they are currently 
they had a huge weekend too. It wasn't called Big Cat, but it's one of those to where they did have a lot of four and five star recruits on campus to enjoy themselves. And outside of the recruits, moving forward, Alabama getting started with what we call fall camp or fall practice, even though it's still 100-plus degrees outside in summertime. It'll roll over into fall, but Alabama getting it started this week. Yeah, definitely. It's exciting. You know, I, I can't tell if this, this summer flew by or it crawled by. <laughs> so, so, you know, I've been waiting for this so long, and, I, like, you just blink and it's here, you know. So um, I, I'm excited about you know, camp getting started, getting back into the swing of things. And uh, there'll be a lot to talk about in terms of, you know, Alabama needing a quarterback. They need to figure out the offensive line. They need a new defensive uh, signal caller. Uh, they're replacing four out of the five starters in the secondary, basically. So there's a lot that's going to be going on this fall, and it should be interesting, you know, to kind of see how it all plays out. Talking about Auburn, Tony, obviously Perry Thompson is the big name over the weekend that, that flips from Alabama to Auburn. Uh, where does Alabama pivot now? Obviously, you have two superstars in the 2025 class in Ryan Williams and Jamie French. Uh, as for the 2024 class at receiver, uh, what, what, what is, where does Alabama look to now to uh, replace Perry Thompson? You know, I, I'm not the recruiting guy, but I know that Alabama is like, I know Alabama's in good shape when it comes to receivers. The two players you just mentioned, they've got a young crop of receivers. You know, now they've got Julian Sayan coming in as a quarterback. He's a guy that receivers are going to want to play with. Um, Alabama won't be in trouble. Losing Perry Thompson is, is, is huge because he's, you know, a difference maker and an in-state kid and, and, you know, somebody that you really, you know, kind of circle as, you know, a must get in your class, but I, I don't think Alabama is necessarily worried. I think they're going to find, yeah, you know, the, the the talent that it's been so long that they haven't had talent. I mean, I can't remember the last non top hundred receiver they brought into the program. Well, also today, when you look at the Maxwell Award watch list, one Alabama player selected for that Maxwell Award watch list, and it and it's Jace McClellan, and he's the lone representative. He had a, a, a very decent season when healthy, over 655 yards and showed his versatility being able to catch it out of the backfield as well. Any surprise that this is the only representative for Alabama? When you look at it, until you get that quarterback position sorted, Alabama doesn't really set itself up for a lot of awards. I mean, I really like um, Malik Benson as a star on this, but, you know, he's a wide receiver and I know Devontae Smith won the Maxwell Award, but it doesn't usually go to a receiver. Um, and and to be honest, he's, he's new. So, I mean, you don't really know what you're going to get from him. Uh, as good as I think Jason McClellan is, I'd kind of be shocked if he won the Maxwell just because the way Alabama is going to, you know, uh, distribute carries in the backfield, it's going to be kind of tough for any of their running backs to really be the guy. Now, you know, if he comes out there and, and just tears people apart, I don't think Alabama is going to take the ball away from him. But, uh, you know, there's five running backs in there that are all really, really talented. Uh, so he might have to split some carries. And then until you find out that quarterback, you know, you really don't know what the offense is going to look like. So I'm not super shocked. In fact, you know, like, if Alabama didn't have a candidate on the Maxwell, I, I wouldn't be—I wouldn't have necessarily been shocked at that either. Just because that's kind of the the way this offense looks right now. There's a
Broner. So, Collins, we'll see if he's still with us. And if not, Broner, go ahead and we'll re re try to reconnect with him. And if Alabama does not have any eligible players for any preseason awards, it's not like they needed extra motivation to do so. And also, I know one of the things that Tony Sakalas had reported about is the eligibility tracker or the roster standpoint to where you can have 85 scholarship athletes and Alabama sitting right at 88 based on the players that it still has. So, Tony, I know that We'll go ahead. We we lost you there for a second, but you, you wrote a, a tremendous article about the fact that Alabama's sitting at 88 athletes that are on, not necessarily on scholarship, but 88 players on the roster where that NCAA limit is 85. So that means three have to go. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. And I've tried to kind of put, you know, some pretext into that. Alabama could have already had that figured out. There's different ways that, you know, you know there's different ways they can go about it. Um, you know, there, there might be some players on that list that aren't taking a scholarship in the fall. Um, you know, I, I don't know. The, the, those are the 88 players that I would think you would put on scholarship. Just, they, you know, they, they sign their letter of intent. Uh, James Burnup is kind of always up in the air. I've been told that he has been on scholarship, so I, I included him too. But, yeah, um, you might see some attrition or you might see some, you know, Alabama math here uh, and kind of uh, getting things to work. There's, there's things that you can do. I mean, uh, I'm just spitballing ideas. But, I mean, in, in, in NIL times, uh, you know, if a player could be kind of handled through uh, the collective and their NIL opportunities and, and maybe, you know, that allows you to add an extra player to the roster if, if that's, player is cooperative you know i don't i don't necessarily know i'm not saying that that's happening but you know there, there's options that you can have uh and there still could be players moving on um so we'll just have to see how it how it plays out um but you know it, they're right at that number if they're not at, at 85 they're, they're they're right at it i mean they're gonna have to, to to figure a little bit out uh in order to hit that limit nick saban always runs up right against that that 85 limit always seems to manage it and, and shift things around to make things work. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of what's happening here. Outside of quarterback, what are you looking forward to the most coming into actual practice? Is it the linebacker position? Is it the offensive line position? Is it the secondary? Where are we looking outside of quarterback as the point of interest the most probably by media members to be viewed? For me, it's offensive line. It's not really something that you can necessarily see or, you know, it, it's tough to evaluate. But when you look at the potential of this team, it, it goes around. You know, I've sat here and said I think Alabama's going to have a really good offense, but that's me projecting that the offensive line is really going to come together. Um, that's, you know, I, I fully expect that to happen, but it's still an if, and I kind of want to see it happen, you know. Um, I, I want to see what they do with some of the young guys, with Elijah Pritchett, with Caden Proctor. Can you get them both on the field at the same time? I like the idea of that, you know. Um, 
I, I think from a talent standpoint, you you got a really high ceiling there. But it, it's not just talent, too, on the offensive line. You've got to go with the right bunch that, that fits together the right way and that's not going to make penalties and that's experienced. So sometimes, you know, as tempting as it is to go to those young guys, sometimes it makes sense to have a more veteran offensive line. So I, I guess I'm just interested in seeing how all that plays out. You know, I, I, I trust all of them as coaching staff to make a better decision on that than, than me. So, uh I think that, you know, it all comes down to that because I don't really think the quarterbacks need to be elite for this team to win. I know it sounds weird, but, you know, if you just have a competent play at quarterback and you have the offensive line, you look at that receiving core, you look at that running back uh, unit, and all of a sudden that's a really productive offense if you can block for it. And uh, I think I'd like to be a quarterback behind that offensive line if it comes together to its potential because there's a lot of weapons and you, you could have a lot of time to get the ball to them. Talking to Tony Sakalis, managing editor at Tide Illustrated. Yeah, Tony, I, I agree with you with uh, with your thoughts on the quarterback play not necessarily needing to be elite. It's like obviously the, the big narrative around this team is going to be Bryce Young. And you understand why Alabama lost two games last season and were close and a lot more with probably the best quarterback they've ever, not probably, with the best quarterback they've ever had. But at the same time, it's like, it's almost like people aren't looking at the team that's won the last two national championships with regards to elite quarterback play. Yeah, it's certainly possible to win without a Heisman-level quarterback. And look, Alabama's not going to have, barring a surprise here, I don't think Alabama's going to have a Heisman-level quarterback. So they're going to have to do it that way. Um, I just think that... Uh, get a guy like Stetson Bennett that's, that's capable. You get an offense that works around him and what he can do, and and you you make it work. And then you just you go on what your your strength is. Alabama's going to be able to run the ball. They'll have good receivers. You know, short short uh, passes uh, in open space. Let those receivers, you know, make plays. You you got a guy now in Malik Benson who I really feel can stretch the field on the perimeter. Have him open things up, and then you know. Dish little short passes to Isaiah Bond and, and let those guys eat. You know, I, that's kind of how I – it doesn't have to be these 35-yard ropes, uh, you know, or scrambling around for 15 seconds and then throwing, you know, a 20-yard pass on the run. It, it doesn't necessarily need to be that. You know, if you can put together a good offense, and they certainly have the pieces to do that, you can create a manageable offense for all, any one of these three guys uh, to run. And I think you can really do some stuff with it. Do you think that Bryce Young, the last two years, and you know those 35-yard ropes and those miracle throws and just him being the magician that he was, do you think that has kind of contributed to the lack of someone separating themselves and someone just, in this current quarterback battle, someone just who is willing to do the right things and do the little things, kind of like you just talked about in your last answer? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the opportunities haven't really been there with, you know, Bryce, I mean, but then again, they weren't really there for Bryce before he came in. You know, it's not like he was doing much with, with Mac behind center. So, uh, that's just, you know, if that really has much to do with it in terms of, you know, not getting an opportunity to, to, to play things out. Um, I think it's just he got a young quarterback room, and, and it's not uh, – I don't want to say this without, without like, I don't mean this to, to down the, the, any other quarterbacks that Alabama has, but they're not Bryce Young. They're not that instant five-star guy. You get some of those guys, you know, it's kind of like the seven-foot, you know, center. There's only probably like 
you know, four of those guys in any given recruiting class. And that might not, there might not even be that. There might be a one or two in every recruiting class. And some recruiting classes might not even have one of those guys, you know? Um, and so that just shows you how much of a special talent that Bryce Young is. I think Tua Tungavailoa was that. I, I really am high on Mac Jones. I don't think he was that coming out of high school. I think he developed. I think you have some of those guys on the roster right now and I'll speak highly of Mac Jones all, all day until, my, you know, until I run out of air. But I think Mac Jones is probably the second-best quarterback that's come through out of Alabama. But he took some time to get ready. And uh, I think the, the players on Alabama's roster, they're that level of – I think they need some time before they become elite. They're not just a plug-and-play kind of instant star. Like, I kind of think that Julian Sayan might be that plug-in-play instant star if he gets that opportunity to Alabama next year. But we'll see how that plays out. But I, that's not me saying that any of these quarterbacks are, are bad. or you know, I, I just don't think that they're that elite kind of rare guy that you can just put in uh, and, and expect them to make a difference from the jump like what you did with Bryce Young. It's so rare that you have a guy win the Heisman in his first year. I mean, you see it, but it's always from those rare talents. Well, it's rare when Alabama has an overall number one quarterback selected in the NFL draft, too. So elite talent that you're speaking of in regards to Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungavailoa, Mac Jones, and along with Bryce Young now. But you're our five-star recruit here on the final drive, and the players set to report here on Wednesday and, of course, get things started on Thursday, and the fans will have an opportunity to check out everyone on Fan Day this coming Saturday from 2.30 to 4.30. So, Tony, how can people follow all of your coverage, especially with practice getting started hot and heavy for the Alabama Crimson Tide? Yeah, definitely. The site's uh, tideillustrated.com, or you can go to alabama.rivals.com. Uh, you can follow us at Tide Illustrated on Twitter, or you can follow me at Tony underscore to call us on Twitter as well. Tony, thank you so much for your time and look forward to listening and watching your coverage this week as Alabama starts up fall practice. All right. Thanks for having me on. Tony Sakalis, managing editor for Tide Illustrated of Rivals, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. We'll be right back. This is Bo Manning, my co-producer of Training Days, Rolling with the Tide, of WNSP 105.5 Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive, and want to thank Tony Sakalas for joining us, Tide Illustrated. And, you know, Michael, before we had Sakalas on, I, I just, I'm going to continue to to talk about what we had on Michigan's recruiting visit as far as if you were a, a, a recruit that showed up and it's in the app now, you'll have an opportunity to see the hot dogs, the macaroni and cheese and the chicken fingers. But if you're Ohio State, if you're Michigan State, if you're if you're someone else in the Big Ten, you mean to tell me you're not having fun <laughs> with that type of picture that comes out of Ann Arbor? I mean, that's crazy. The amount, let's just look at the food. And, you know, I know everyone, you have an opportunity, you know, when you have an opportunity to eat, you don't care what it is if you're hungry, right? But 
it's definitely, you know how they have steak and beans for the Alabama A-Day game, loser? It's on the beans end of the spectrum, It's on the beans end of the spectrum, you know? (laughs) Um, Not something I would want and that I've seen at other places when recruits showing what what their fixings are. Yeah, yeah, it's almost you hand Ohio State a recruiting tool with that one. I I imagine Michigan's going to step up their their recruiting meals after getting mercilessly trolled on that one. I mean, from here on out, man, I I, I would love to see Michigan's PR department from a football standpoint making sure they show that they stepped up their game because if you want to step up your recruits, you want the best for sure, and that wasn't the case. Coming up here at the 4 o'clock hour, we'll check in on the Tennessee Titans training camp to see how everything is going there. Looking forward to seeing the debut of Chase McCabe here on the final drive, letting us know how Roger McCreary Jr. and Derrick Henry are fitting into the Tennessee Heat that we just left from a couple of weeks ago in Nashville. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5 returns. It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile. Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome to our number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this Monday afternoon. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. And, of course, you can download the free Sound of Mobile app. That's a free downloadable app to any Android or Apple device that you may have, so you can correspond with us here in the app. And, of course, you can call us the old-fashioned way at 251-694-1055. And, you know, we've been talking hot and heavy about high school football, college football, and the NFL training camps opening up. And there's been a rash of injuries that have started training camps across the NFL. And a year ago, our Mobile's own Roger McCreary Jr. enters the NFL as a rookie from Auburn and, of course, from Williamson High School. And, you know, I said, look, the Titans, Derrick Henry, one of the best backs in the NFL. Of course, down here, our listeners, we love to to talk Derrick Henry and what he was able to do for the Alabama Crimson Tide. But now for the Titans, they're turning the page in Nashville. Chase McCabe. He's the sports programming director at 102.5 The Game in Nashville, and he joins us making his debut. Chase, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, Chase, you know, when you look at the Tennessee Titans coming off a 7-10 and 10 season, I know the expectations are going to be even greater this year. You look at the AFC South being won by the Jacksonville Jaguars at 9-8, and eight, but how will the Titans go ahead and win this division this year? Will it be with the steady quarterback play of Tannehill, or will it be with Hopkins? How will the Titans go ahead and win this division? 
I think the answer to that question is yes, all of the above. <laughs> um, it's going to take it's going to take a team effort. Uh, I've always said with Ryan Tannehill that uh, you gotta you gotta have a good team around him. Um, he's not one of the elite quarterbacks, but he's solid. There's a reason that he's still a starter in this league, and we've seen him do some pretty good things during his time here in Nashville with the Titans, but you, you got to get him an offensive line, and that's a huge question uh, with a, and, and probably going to have unanswered questions going into the season because it's a pretty much a rebuilt offensive line. You're going to have a new left tackle. You're going to have a new left guard. You're going to have a new center. Uh, you're going to have a new right guard, and the only guy that was coming back was Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, and he's suspended for the first six games, so you're going to have a new right tackle. So you're going to have a completely rebuilt offensive line to start the season, and so that creates questions. And then you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. He's a huge addition. He and Tannehill seem to be right on the same page, only four or five practices in. Uh, so that's, that's helpful. And then Traylon Burks, the Arkansas product, going into his second year, I've had a chance to really watch him, and uh, we got to talk to him the other day. He seems much more confident now going into year two than he did year one. And then uh, Derrick Henry in the backfield. So they're going to rely on all of that plus the defense. Um, I think with their schedule, I think the schedule is favorable uh, for them to have a shot to win the AFC South because I'm not sold completely on Jacksonville yet. And, you know, I've kind of used the phrase a few times on my show, the uh, the Jags didn't win the division last year. The Titans lost it with that collapse towards the end of the year. So we'll see how a first-place schedule works for Jacksonville and how that second-place schedule works for the Titans. Well, I have a couple questions in regards to, to me, the draft picks by the Tennessee Titans organization. Of course, in 2022, you go Malik Willis, and we saw how dynamic he was coming out of college. And then Will Levis, which was the talk of the 2023 NFL draft. Now, Will arrives, and you, you already have Tannehill. It's great to have depth at quarterback without question, but were you a little bit shocked that you go from Malik Willis in 2022 to Will Levis there in 23, or was he that great of a prospect sitting there that the Titans absolutely could not pass on him? This year's draft was pretty interesting because there were so many different ways that they could go picking at 11. Will Levis was a name that was linked to him. Um, CJ Stroud was linked to him. You know, there there were rumors that they could be trying to move up to three. Uh, so there were all these different things. And then we got to draft night. You know, it, nobody really had any idea what they were going to do. Uh, and then they end up taking Peter Skaronsky at 11 and uh, addressing, you know, the offensive line. And then, uh, and then move up in the second round to take Will Levis. So you're right. Having depth at quarterback is a good thing. Malik Willis has looked good, much better as a second-year player than he did his rookie year. He was nowhere near ready to play in the NFL last year when he had to play uh, as the backup to Ryan Tannehill after he got hurt. Um, Will Levis has looked like a rookie, and I would say today, they put the pads on for the first time today, today was Will Levis's best practice as an NFL quarterback. Um, he looked really good. They were playing in the red zone. He was throwing darts into the end zone. Um, just looked confident and poised. But, you know, Willis didn't look too bad either. Tannehill didn't look bad. Um, this is Ryan Tannehill's team, at least for this year. But beyond this year, who knows? Um, I think it's a good problem to have. And with the new rule where 
you can dress three quarterbacks. I, I think it, it's safe to say the Titans are probably going to carry all three, um, which I, I believe is the right move because then you don't have to rush Will Levis if you think he's the quarterback of the future. Talking to Chase McCabe, program director up at 102.5 in Nashville. Chase, I, I got to ask this one because – I, I don't know, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I, I'm of the opinion that the Titans are going to be really bad this season. Is there any chance that Mike Vrabel could be on the hot seat this year? Not not one chance whatsoever. Uh, this is Mike Vrabel's team. They, the owner chose him over the GM, um, and I don't see the them moving on from Mike Vrabel anytime soon. I think a lot of the prognosticators, think that the Titans aren't going to be very good. But again, I reference the second place schedule. You know, they're not having to play Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, teams like that. Um, you know, and, and whereas Jacksonville is going to have to deal with playing a first place team. I mean, you got the Titans opening their season at New Orleans. Who knows what they are? Then they're playing the Chargers, the Browns. They do have to play the Bengals. Um, that's by far their toughest test. And then probably Baltimore in in uh, London, but the division's not very good. They're playing the NFC South. Um, they're playing uh, teams like Pittsburgh, um, Seattle, which could be toss-up games. So I, I would say that there are, th- there are things in their favor that could help them uh, have a winning record and potentially even win this division again. But even if they were to miss the playoffs, I don't see Mike Vrabel going anywhere. Again, the Titans seven and ten a year ago, and we love El Tractorcito. Derrick Henry here in the state of Alabama, of course, his third highest total yards in his career a year ago, and the second most carries that he's had. Let's talk about the addition of Hopkins and DeAndre and what that's going to do. And I, I know that Derrick Henry is probably if not the most in-shape running back in the league. He's definitely one of the strongest, not only running backs, but strongest athletes in the entire NFL. From a carry standpoint, are we looking at Derrick Henry carrying the football over 300-plus times again and possibly hitting that 2,000-yard plateau? Well, that's a that's a million-dollar question, and, and you know, especially with the state of the running back and the value of the running back right now. Um, you know, Derrick Henry is pushing 30 years old, and he has proven everybody wrong to this point. Anybody that questions whether he's lost it or not. Um, I mean, last year, you know, there were times we said, man, he's kind of lost his step, and he still rushed for 1,600 yards and was second in the league. Um, so nothing would really surprise me with Derrick anymore. I think that what they're trying to do offensively with Tim Kelly taking over as the offensive coordinator, he was DeAndre Hopkins OC in Houston, is they're trying to make this less of a predictable offense, not always going to Henry on first and second down, and trying to make it more versatile. And so with Hopkins, with Burks, Chigakonko, a second-year tight end, is a guy that showed flashes last year. And then they also drafted Tajay Spears, the running back out of Tulane in the third round, to to hopefully have him be a change of pace back, catching the football out of the backfield. I think you're going to see a lot of two-back sets in this offense. And so with all that said, do I think Derrick Henry is still going to be an important part of this offense? Absolutely. 
But is he going to be the focal point like he has been in years past? I think they're trying to get away from that to make the offense more versatile. Let's talk about Roger McCreary Jr., his addition to that secondary for the Titans. And Roger kind of was feeling his way around last year and really came into his own toward the latter part of the season. I know that that's someone that the Titans fans and the organization are really excited about. Yeah, I, I like McCreary. Um, you know, I thought that was a good draft pick when they got him last year. Um, he had, a, I thought, a good rookie year. Obviously had some rookie moments, but Look, this secondary is, you know, a position group that has questions because of depth. And so they're going to need McCreary to do even more uh, for them this year than he did last year. You know, got guys like Christian Fulton that they've been hurt. You know, he's in a contract year, so he's needing to step up. They brought in Sean Murphy Bunting to help the secondary. And so I would expect Roger McCreary to get even more uh, opportunities this year to, to be you know, hopefully one of the top two corners on this team. I mean, uh, Caleb Farley, who they took in the first round a few years ago, I don't know if he ever plays in a Titans uniform again. I mean, he, he has pretty much been hurt since he got in the league. Um, and so there's who knows with him. And so I think that there's a ton of opportunities available for Roger McCreary, and the coaches seem to love him too. Yeah, he, he just was that guy in high school here and covering him along with his time at Auburn that just continued to grow and, and part of that process. And some rookies come in and are immediate impacts. Some it takes to their second or third year to really fall into their own. And we're speaking with Chase McCabe, the sports program director at 102.5 The Game in Nashville, Tennessee. Does a tremendous job covering covering the Tennessee Titans and also when you bring in a new general manager I think that that makes a world of difference in any franchise or organization I know Rand Carthon let's talk about what he is going to mean and his imprint and stamp on what it's going to be on the Tennessee Titans well so far um you know, I've gotten to, to talk to him a few times, and I'm impressed with him. You know, I think any time you get a coach or a front office guy or GM that played in the NFL, uh, they speak a different language, and they speak the language that the players that they're, you know, trying to bring in speak. And uh, he was an undrafted free agent, played running back. So, obviously, you ask him about the state of the running back and the value of the running back, it's near and dear to him. Uh, he, having played that position, his father coached that position for so long. Um, so I like him. I mean, he's he seems to fit well with Vrabel because that's the other thing that, you know, previously it was John Robinson and then it was Mike Vrabel. Now it's more of a collaboration between Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel. They're, they're on a equal playing field. And so it's simply going to be for Carthon is just bringing in players that fit Vrabel's scheme and fit what Mike Vrabel wants to do. Um, that's his goal, and that's what he said that he's wanting to do, that he wants to build a team in the image of Mike Vrabel. Um, we'll see with the players that he drafted. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins uh, was somebody that they both coveted and felt like that they could get. They were pretty confident in that through the whole process that they were going to be able to get him, and they did. Um, so it's now kind of a wait and see. The offensive line is going to continue to be a project of his because they they spent an 11th overall pick on an offensive lineman and then a later pick. But 
the rest of it was put together, you know, with bargain free agent signings. Maybe that'll work. Maybe it won't. I mean, you've basically signed a couple of guys that were backups and got, you know, some spot starts here and there that you're asking to start on the offensive line. So I think the early part of his legacy is just going to be gauged on that and uh, what kind of production you get out of the O-line. Well, Chase, I tell you, the Music City, man, downtown Nashville, we were there a couple of weeks ago for SEC Media Days, got a chance to visit Bridgestone Arena to where you cover the Predators, and it's a beautiful arena with all the construction and the booming cranes that are Mm. taking place. You can definitely see where Nashville is a place of growth, and with that new a construction that's going to begin on the Dome Stadium. I, I, I can't wait to see how that's going to fit in. But Nashville's definitely an up-and-coming place to be. We'll see if the Titans can make it up-and-coming in the division. I want to go with your, your predictions for the AFC South. What is going to be the win total in your mind coming off a 7-10 and 10 season and one in which Jacksonville does win the division at 9-8? and eight? Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard people say anywhere from, you know, 7 and 10 again to 12 and 5. I'm going to be a little more conservative. I'm going to say 10 and 7. Um, I, I I don't know if I'm ready to say they're going to win the division or not. I think they're capable of it. But 10 and 7 to me can can probably get into the playoffs. It just depends on how the rest of the AFC goes but with the, the third wild card now that certainly makes it easy, but 10 and seven or easier 10 and seven just feels, feels right right now. But I would say that the, the roster in my mind is incomplete because I haven't seen, you know, the offensive line and game action yet. And that's really where everything's going to start. Well, it's going to start in regular season in New Orleans, the 10th, which is a Sunday, of course, right at noontime against the Saints. And we look forward to continuing to keep up with you throughout the season to to check up to see how Roger McCreary Jr. is doing, our local hometown guy. And, of course, everyone who follows Derrick Henry, we love watching 2-7 run the football as well. So talk to us a little bit about how everyone can follow all your tremendous coverage of the Titans. Yeah, um, well, you can get any of our shows on the game Nashville.com, but uh, my Twitter account's at Chase on Game uh, or X account, whatever it is now. Uh, <laughs> so you can get me there and um, Instagram at the Chase McCabe. But yeah, anytime uh, you guys want to talk some ball, just let me know. Chase, thank you so much for your time here on the final drive, and we'll be talking with you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Chase McCabe joining this afternoon, sports programming director at 102.5, the game in Nashville, Tennessee. When we come back, again, we'll give you kind of a recap, a little bit of what went on at Big Cat Weekend, Sterling Dixon Jr.'s decision, along with some new South Alabama Jaguar additions. And coming up a little after 4.30, we'll have John Rachetti to keep us updated on another Crimson Tide golfer, who is finding success in the majors. The final drive continues next. Hi, this is Cornelius Bennett, three-time All-American College Football Hall of Fame, and you're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. want to thank Chase McCabe 
where John is talking a little bit about the Tennessee Titans and the expectations that they have coming in into the season. And of course, you know, we, we've had that football itch. That football itch is definitely going to be scratched on Thursday. Won't be a lot of starters playing for long, if at all, this coming Thursday in the Hall of Fame game. The Jets and the Browns will be the ones or the combatants in this preseason Hall of Fame game. But it does mean that football is in the air. And, of course, today, high school football media days and high school football media days in Baldwin County got a chance to be started up. And the biggest high school football news today and over the weekend were involving Mobile and Baldwin County products. As, of course, Sterling Dixon Jr., is transferring to Spanish Fort High School, leaving Mobile Christian and leaving the Alabama Crimson Tide is one Perry Uno Thompson. And Perry Uno Thompson had a chance to speak with Michael Brauner today at the high school Baldwin County Football Media Days. Here with Foley wide receiver, now Auburn commit Perry Thompson. Perry, first of all, congratulations, man. I know it's been a long process for you. Yes, sir. Thank you. So, Big Cat weekend, obviously, you know, it feels like the decision's been coming. Coach and y'all kind of confirmed it over the weekend. Take us through the last, you know, three weeks of it and your commitment. Last three weeks, it was really just who I have the best relationship with, coach-wise, player-wise. Really just that where that welcome feeling is. And I went up to Big Cat um, last week. Had that welcome feeling. I really, I even went around um, the campus with like a scooter, just just feeling like home, and it felt like home. So I went and committed. What separated Auburn from Alabama for you? Because ultimately, obviously, it came down to the two schools in state. Really, just shoot free is what he can do with receivers. How he did with his previous receivers he had. I know he's a receiver specialist, so I know he's gonna push me to my top. What are you expecting as you arrive on campus freshman year at Auburn? You know, you're kind of entering a, a Hugh Freeze era where you have an opportunity to be part of the turnaround, whereas Alabama is obviously an established program. Is that something that was attractive to you in committing to Auburn? Yes, I really just that legacy I can make at Auburn. I know Alabama produced great receivers, but at the same time, I just wanted to have my own legacy. What are your goals for senior year for Foley? Senior year, um, me and my quarterback are on the same page. I'd say around 1,600, 1,800 receiving yards. And, I'm going to get my touchdown off that, like, 20, 20 plus touchdowns. Perry Thompson, Foley, thank you, Perry. Yes, sir. Perry Thompson, one of the players, five-star recruit, verbally committing to Alabama. Whoops, hold that. Verbally committing to Auburn, says it felt like home, wants to go ahead and make his own mark in his own way. And being a five-star recruit and seeing what Perry has to offer, for Derek Scott and the Foley Lions, you can translate that to immediate playing time for Hugh Freeze and Hugh Freeze being a passing-friendly coach and having coached up wide receivers that have had a lot of success. I, I could see Perry making that decision and, and Coach Freeze making it a lot easier for him to make that decision. Sure. I mean, he sent, he sent receivers to to the draft and how you know look at a guy like Laquan Treadwell and you know countless other receivers from Ole Miss as well but uh yeah for Perry ultimately the opportunity to get on the field freshman years too good to pass up and Auburn felt like home for him and I mean I, I'm happy for him and I, I think it's a, a decision that he feels is in his best interest and I think a lot of people get caught up in 
in recruiting stuff and, and, and where a kid's going to go and forget the fact that these are 16 and 17-year-old kids making these decisions. And ultimately, Perry Thompson made the decision that feels best for him and his family. And, uh, you know, of course, wish him nothing but the best. Absolutely. And I, I will say this, too. You know, you look at name, image, and likeness, money, and what is it being offered to not only these high school athletes in other states, but along with these collegiate athletes. I thought it was interesting that Talia Tungavailoa this weekend mm-hmm. said that an SEC school offered $1.5 million for him to transfer. And, you know, it's always great when you have an NFL-ready quarterback brother. And Tua and the advice that he sought from Tua and ultimately Talia decided to stay at Maryland. But when you had to speculate and to think about what school that was that offered him $1.5 million, he didn't put that school on blast or underneath the bus, didn't say, but there have been rumors out there as to what school it could have been within the SEC that offered $1.5 million. You 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 know this much. It wasn't going to be Alabama <laughs> because you've you already left been, there. Been there. Been there and done that. So, uh, I mean, just all, all pure speculation during the media days last week when he did mention, and, and that's probably one of those statements that he probably wishes – that he wouldn't have because it's created such a stir and such a controversy now as to what school is it that offered Talia $1.5 million? Auburn. Auburn. No, I, I don't actually I don't think it was Auburn, but it, I, I don't know. It, it, it is I, funny to say it was Auburn. Auburn uh, offered offered to his brother. You know, the obvious joke is, oh, little brother offered little brother. You know, I've 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 seen that one on Twitter a couple of times. I don't actually think it was Auburn, but uh, I think Florida is one that makes a lot of sense. I saw someone throw out Texas A and M. I think that's one that makes a lot of sense. I I, I would say. Florida and, and A&M. It's not impossible that it was Auburn, but they wouldn't be my first guess. I, I would say Florida and A&M are probably the two most likely if I, if I was put on put on the spot and told to make a guess on that. Yeah, I, I you know, the speculation is going to continue to run sooner or later. I think it will come out once he's I'd already really passed. Like, I'd really like to know. But like I said, he opened the can of worms in making that statement, especially when he threw out a dollar amount. If he would have said, you know, there was just SEC yeah, no schools. no one would care if they say no. I had offers to go to the SEC. Right. But then he said he said it was a seven-figure amount. It's yeah. like, oh, who was it? Yeah, when he put that dollar amount, the speculation is definitely going to continue to go there. But I, I love the recruiting banter that is going on. And like I said, you know, earlier in the show, it doesn't happen often when an Alabama recruit flips over to Auburn or an Auburn recruit flips over to Alabama, especially within this state. And when it does happen, eh, you know, with the success that Alabama's had, it's you're going to be a four- or five-star athlete. And with what Auburn needs on their roster – is a five-star wide receiver app wide receiver athlete, regardless of who's going to be throwing in the football when he arrives on campus in sure. 2024. You want that ability to where you can go ahead and get on the field. Right, they got Walker White coming in too. I mean, man, the writing's on the wall. 
for Hugh Freeze to completely turn things around at Auburn. I mean, I mean look, they threw Coach in a swimming pool, man. Yeah. I'm just, I love the fact that that's how laid back and down to earth you can be with your recruits to be like, man, I'll take this polar plunge. My name's Hugh Freeze, you know, and it's already <laughs> 100, 100 degrees outside. But I've always said it. It's great for the state of Alabama when Alabama and Auburn both you're battling for recruits trying to find a way to get them in. And, of course, the news of the day is Sterling Dixon Jr. transferring to Spanish Fort. Wish Sterling the best. Phenomenal and outstanding young man. Of course, Sterling Dixon Jr. is an Alabama verbal commit. And that's why it's such huge news to see him go across to Baldwin County and participate in already a tough 6A Region 1. Well, it just got a hell of a lot tougher when you have two Power 5 defensive ends join Chase Smith on that roster. We'll talk to John Rachetti, and Rachetti will break down a guy by the name of Lee Hodges. Well, if you've never heard of him, well, you have now because he's a winner, and he got a chance to hear from Nick Saban as well after he won it. We'll catch up with John Rachetti and talk about our new 3M Open champion in Lee Hodges. Coming up next here on The Final Drive. This is Brad Nessler, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this Monday afternoon. And, of course, it's time now for our golf report brought to you by Dan Hart, LLC, Engineered Products and Services, with my main man, John Rachetti. And, Rachetti, the last couple of times we've had an opportunity to talk, the winning golfer, has used or talked with a national championship football coach, one being from Georgia, and that being Brian Harmon using Kirby Smart's words as motivation to finish out and win him a major. And this week, after Lee Hodges wins the 3M Open, he gets an opportunity to hear from head coach Nick Saban. So there's a lot of football and golf analogies that are going into one. Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was good. I mean, uh, you know, Coach Saban's, uh, he loves golf. I mean, obviously, uh, I've seen him out on the golf course, but he's so busy that come, go you know, once football season kicks around, he don't play at all. But he really, really likes to play golf, and he's an avid golfer. I know he's, I know he's talked to the golf team uh, many times, and he's, uh, he's good buddies with Justin Thomas, and and our coach Sewell, the men's golf coach, flew up from Tuscaloosa yesterday morning to be uh, to watch Lee Hodges. Lee Hodges didn't even know he was going to be there, and uh, he's just a great win for Lee. But I've seen this coming. I've talked about people trending in the right direction. Lee Hodges, as if you look over his resume, has played really, really good on the PGA Tour the last few years, and uh, he's been knocking at the door and finally, in convincing fashion. Corey, I mean, he did really, really well. Uh, I was, I was super proud of him. I've, you know, I've had, a, I've talked to uh, Lee Hodges many, many, numerous of times. My son's good friends with him. 
Uh, he's just a really good guy. You know, he's from Huntsville area. And, uh, you know, what can I tell you? It was a great win uh, for Lee Hodges. Also, obviously a good win from a former Crimson Tide player. And you know, it's good for Alabama athletics for sure. When you are win by seven strokes, I mean, the third largest margin of victory for someone's first win on the PGA Tour within the last 30 years or so, that, that that's no fluke. That's you dominating your opponent and getting it done by that margin of strokes for sure. Yeah, he, it, no question. He was on a roll. I mean, he just, from you know, he was on a roll. He, I mean, from, from round one, he continued to put, you know, the pedal to the metal and continued to play great. And it was a convincing victory, no question. One of the better ones I've seen in a while. It was a dominating performance by Lee Hodges. And like I said, uh, Corey and, and Bronner, I'm just glad to see him uh, come through. And I think, you know, I thought that possibly Mobile's Robbie Shelton's the next guy. I had, I had vibes for him to start possibly winning. And I, and I, I believe the next future Alabama player to win will be Robbie Shelton. Uh, John, correct me if I'm wrong. Lee Hodges, he, he started at UAB. Did, did he play with your son? Uh, no, he was, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, a great story. It's a story in itself, too, there, that he started it. He did not get recruited by Alabama. Uh, Coach Sewell passed on him for whatever reason, and uh, he ended up signing at UAB, had a good career, and then uh, Coach Murray left to go to Washington, and Mike Wilson, who recruited my son, uh, was the new head coach, and then he decided to transfer to the University of Alabama. But, no, he started and, and, you know, he he learned his trade in college golf at UAB. A lot of people forget that. And, and uh, it was a huge loss for UAB, obviously a monumental uh, game for, for the University of Alabama. But, uh, no, he didn't uh, – he came in – my son came in after that. Uh, but no question about it, it was a huge loss. Uh, he, inside the athletic department, they did not want to lose this kid and, and so forth. But, uh, you know – it is what it is. He's moved on, and he's done extremely well, obviously, at the University of Alabama and did extremely well on the PGA Tour. So he's a good kid and uh, just proud that he did win. Well, not only that, Rachetti, I mean, when you look at what else is going on in golf, I know we've been talking about the Ryder Cup and who's going to be on the team, who's going to be off the team. Any further clarification, or can you rub your crystal ball to, to let us know who you think is going to be worthy of being on that Ryder Cup selection? Uh, it's it's going to be some tough decisions for Zach Johnson. I know Freddie Couples, uh, I, I guess he was saying something I've seen that he had, he mentioned, I think, Max Homa was a cinch to be on this. It was already, he said he is going to Italy. I can't remember the other two guys that he mentioned that were going, were going to be going to Italy, but he had three guys that he already mentioned that were going to go. But uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very, very, very interesting to see who ends up being the six captain's picks. You know, Justin Thomas, we all know about JT. He's the story, you know, he's the story on the Ryder Cup and, you know, he played the 3M, missed the cut, and he's at the Wyndham Championship this week, which is the last official uh, tournament before the playoffs. And this is a huge week for JT. And I'll stick to my guns, and I've always said that I think I know he's struggling, 
but I just think that he's done too much in the game of the golf in the last six to eight years that, you know, uh, I think he deserves a pass. And I think, he's a, you know, in match play and he can – him and Jordan Spieth and whoever his partner is going to be, I mean, he could find his game. I just I just think that possibly that uh, JT will poss- possibly get a pass and maybe be on that Ryder Cup. And it's very crucial for him to play well at the Wyndham Championship because if he does not play well this week, uh, my theory might not bode well. But I, you know what I'm saying? He's got to do something. I thought he was going to do something last week, but again, he just couldn't get the job done. Yeah, I just don't get John how you how you justify giving him a a free pass at this point. I mean, he's getting cut at routine events at this point. I think I'm as big a fan of the guy as anyone. I, I wanted to figure it out. It's just like. You know the way he's playing right now is is not going to be a help to the U.S. I mean, team. It's going to be a hindrance. I think if you, Bronner, if you look at his play in international play in team format, I mean he's he's one of the top guys in that room, one of the top young players. He has struggled in the last year. I get it. Uh, I just think that I got like I said, I think he might get a free pass and get on that team, but. If he does not play well this week, you know, I might come next Monday when you talk to me. I might huh. change my tune. But uh, I think, you know, he. I think this week is huge for Justin Thomas. I'm not disagreeing huge. with you that – no, I'm not disagreeing with you that his record as an international player is one of the best in the world, but he's also been just one of the best players in the world throughout his entire career. And clearly right now he's not one of the best players in the world. Uh, yeah, but I just think he might, you know, you roll the dice. You don't have to play him every day. You know, in the Ryder Cup, you don't have to play him every match. Just the fact that he's there, I think, would be a huge boost for the American team. Now, again, that's my theory. I think that what he's done in, internet, in team play and his record itself possibly speak warrants maybe a free pass this year. Uh, but if he does not play well this week, I might have to rescind my theory come Monday. But I'm sticking to my guns going into the Wyndham Championship. Well, we let you stick to your guns coming up next here for sure at 6 o'clock p.m. It's the Miller Lite John Rachetti's Golf Show. Rachetti, where are you going to be broadcasting the show from tonight? Well, I know. I Listen, I don't want my boy Bronner to get upset because he's just down the street. And he's my man. But we're going to be at... Ruth Chris Steakhouse tonight. Man, he, he's missing out on a little sizzle, sizzle tonight. But you should have just left it at yeah. left it at that. That that's all right, Rashetti. Look, I, I I hit the door at six o'clock, so I know that uh it's right down the street from me as well. Well, you guys, come on over. Welcome, man. We've got a good show. Uh, you know, Danny will be with us. Michael Johnson from the Country Club on Bill, leading the Light Scratch Tour. Great player. Uh, he'll be with us, too. So, uh, And, by the way, a quick shout-out. I know we got to go. Quick shout-out uh, to Michael Crocker for winning the Alabama State Junior Championship last week. Uh, Going to be a senior at McGill, too, and signed uh, with the University of Alabama. So I just wanted I know we didn't get a chance. Obviously, the tournament ended on Thursday, but just wanted to let you guys know. And 
uh, congratulations to uh, Michael Crocker. Well, Rochetti, appreciate you so much. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And, again, coming up, following the final drive, the Miller Lite John Rochetti Golf Show coming to you live from Ruth Chris right here at 6 o'clock p.m. on WNSP. Have a good one, Rochetti. All right, boy. Take care. John Rochetti joining us this afternoon. And we'll be coming back, of course, at 5 o'clock, scheduled to be joined by Zach Blackerby. And again, the Auburn Tigers, the talk of the town, which if you're the, an Auburn Tiger fan, you really, you love it. You absolutely love it in regards to what it means for your football program. Ryan Green will be talking to Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll get a an update on Trevor Lawrence and what's going on with the Jaguars in Jacksonville at 530 as well. Plenty more to come here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And, of course, Baldwin County High School Media Day being held today. And, of course, everyone wanted to talk to Perry Uno Thompson about his flip from Alabama to Auburn. But we had a pretty famous guy that took the podium as well, Phillip Rivers, the head football coach at St. Michael. They're able to start practice this afternoon because they had no spring game as they prepare, prepare for Spanish Fort. I do believe in Coach Rivers today with Michael Brauner. Here with Coach Philip Rivers, St. Michael. Coach, year three, how is it different from year one at St. Michael? Well, I think we're all just more comfortable in how things are going to flow and how we're going to operate uh, day to day. And uh, from a schedule standpoint, from a you know things we like, didn't like, uh, scheme standpoint, uh, all those things. So um, I feel like the foundation is set. The players know it. They have ownership in it. And uh, you know, so operationally, uh, we're a lot better off. You're losing quarterback Josh Murphy. Who's going to replace him, and what can we expect? Uh, the guy's going to replace him. I know pretty well. Be my, my son uh, Gunner uh, Rivers. He's a uh, he's a freshman. He's a rising freshman, so he, he's young. Uh, but um, he's been he's been around it his whole life. Obviously, he'll make some freshman mistakes certainly. Uh, but he's done. He's had a heck of a summer and off season and. Uh, Certainly, we're, we're going to miss Josh, uh, but excited about you know the opportunity Gunner's going to have now for four years. What have you seen from Gunner so far? Um, you know, I think, uh, like I said, he, the, the boy was watching it since he was six, seven, uh, six, seven years old. Uh, uh, both watching me play and just watching ball in general, and um, so I, you know, he, he he throws it well. I think the one thing he does do uh, at a young age that you can't get some to do is. He, he, he'll take what the defense gives him. He's not as, he's, you know, sometimes you want to hang on and take chunk plays. He's all about throwing completions. And I think at any level, that's good, especially here. If we can just throw completions and a passing play is a positive play and you're not worried about sacks and not that we won't have any, but if you're not, you, you're not hanging on, you know, watching with all your eyes, you know, with one eye closed, uh, hoping it's not a sack or a turnover and we'll just keep throwing completions, then uh, we, can, we can do a lot of good with that. T.R. Miller, Jackson, Orange Beach, still the teams to beat in the region? I mean, I think I, I, I think T.R. Miller and Jackson for sure, um, uh, you know, going into the year, 
But again, you know, we let we let you know, I shouldn't say we let let them off the hook. It was a heck of a game. But Bayside beat us with a field goal late. Um, that was a heck of a game. Um, Orange Beach we were able to beat, you know, in one score game late. Um, and then again, I mentioned Escambia. You start throwing in you start throwing in uh, Escambia, who's going to be improved? Uh, Satsuma, Wilcox. I mean, I, it, it's a, it's a, it's a good region. But yes, I think I think you got to keep Jackson and Miller at the top, and then and then all of us other other guys are scrapping like crazy, and you never know what'll happen. Last question I have for you. Talk about the shift in mindset from kind of believing you can win to expecting to win. Yeah, I, I think it's huge. You know, and I had a few of my seniors my first year that uh, wrote me a note, uh, wrote me a letter saying that, saying that we actually went from knowing we didn't have a chance to actually believing we were going to win the game. And I, I, again, for me, coaching high school football, yes, it's about the game, but that belief is bigger because they'll carry some of those things when you go from not thinking something and then you believe it and expect, and expect it. That, that carries over to aspects in life as well. So um, it, it's a big deal. And again, it doesn't mean you're going to, but uh, these guys, when you have that genuine belief that you can do it, um, you play with a lot more confidence. Um, you enjoy it more, right? When you when you when you ha when you feel like you have no hope, you know, um, it, it, that's a that's a bad place to be it's in life, and much less the football field. Uh, it, not even to that degree. The football field isn't that to that degree. But hope, belief, and expecting something to happen uh, is a good thing, and uh, I, 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 I'm happy that our guys do have that belief. Philip Rivers, St. Michael. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Head football coach of St. Michael, just trying to get things turned around as they start football practice today. And again, if you had no spring game, you're able to start football practice today. I know Mobile County Public Schools, they start for all students next Monday, a week from today. So, of course, a lot of teams will start their practice then. But as far as the expectations and them getting close, 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 closer and closer, we'll see if they're able to close that gap because for the last couple of years, they've been one or two games away from making the high school playoffs and making that history in a very, very young program. But breaking ground on their own stadium and moving forward in the right direction, that program is going to continue to grow and flourish under a future Football Hall of Famer in the NFL, Phillip Rivers. The final drive, 5 o'clock hour, already hour number three coming up next as we check in with Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn, coming up next here on the final drive. From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Brunner. Do your job and play together. The final drive, live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it.
Welcome to our number three of the final drive. Want to thank everyone for tuning in this evening. And of course, Corey LeBounty, joined by my producer, Michael Brauner, this evening. Of course, you can download the free Sound of Mobile app. That's a free downloadable app so you can correspond with us. Of course, once you do download that app to any Android or Apple device you have, it allows you the opportunity to interact with us not only during the high school football season to give us score updates. It allows you to talk to us about the college football games along with the NFL games as well. The free Sound of Mobile app Make sure you download that to any Android or Apple device that you may have. Of course, in today's show, we've talked about, really, it's the, the freeze effect. It is almost 100 degrees outside, but there was a freeze warning this weekend and continues to be a freeze warning as we get ready to start August. Something that you normally could not say about Auburn's football program on a national level, a lot of relevance and a lot of being talked about as Perry Uno Thompson, the five-star wide receiver from right here in our backyard in Foley High School, flips his commitment over to the Auburn Tigers this weekend, along with when you look at Demarcus Riddick, committing along with the Benjamin Russell athlete who has also decided to play for Hugh Freeze. You can see why Hugh Freeze was thrown into the Auburn Recreational Swimming Pool. I, I, he's hot. He had to cool off. The recruits needed to cool him off. And somebody who's been keeping up to date with this is Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn. Zach, how's it going, my friend? It's good. Yeah, busy weekend covering the Auburn Tigers. And, you know, the writing may have been on the wall, but just to kind of actually see it happen. I mean, Auburn's been so close for some top recruits, but, you know, getting second doesn't really help you that much. But, uh, yeah, what a what a weekend for Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers. Well, let, let's talk about that weekend because I know Michael Bronner, my producer, had an opportunity to talk to Perry Thompson today at the high school media days in Baldwin County. And I, I think that, you know, as Auburn gets ready to start its fall practice, it will be doing so with a lot more energy. And, of course, we know what they went through in the spring. But, I mean, here it is with some over 40 transfer portal guys coming in. Auburn gets another offensive lineman transfer portal uh, in from Northwestern as Dylan Cinda, another offensive lineman, adds to the depth of Hugh Freeze to be able to help the Auburn Tigers this year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe. if we, you know, We'll see how involved, you know, Cinda is. But uh, all, all in all, I mean, he's done an incredible job. I, I can't imagine anyone doing a better job in this offseason than Hugh Freeze. I mean, it's been – Impeccable. Like you said, 40 new faces are going to be on this roster that weren't on this team 365 days ago. And you also have the momentum going on the recruiting trail. I mean, he Auburn fans got a taste of something they've never gotten to taste before. I mean, flipping two five stars from your two biggest rivals. Uh, I mean, that's huge. And then yet you mentioned Malcolm Simmons, who the four-star wide receiver, top 200 player. And it's like, that's not even that big of a deal compared to the other things, which in any other year, he'd be one of the best players in Auburn's class. So, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable what he's been able to do 
And now the focus seems to be on, you know, K.J. Bolden, who's supposed to announce Saturday's number one safety. Auburn's got a really, really good shot for him after how Big Cat weekend went. Um, and there's several other guys. You know, T.J. Lindsey's a guy. You know, Camarion Franklin's a guy that's on campus right now, it looks like, based off of his Twitter today. And there's just a lot of really, really talented players that even if Auburn doesn't get some of these guys, they're in the conversation with. And that's not something that's been – um, I don't know. There hasn't really been a whole lot of hope and all that. It's been, oh, man, this four or five stars talking to Alabama or Georgia, you know, we're not going to be able to close the deal. Like, that's been kind of the thought amongst Auburn fans for a long time. And it's like something changed. Um, they beat out Georgia for Joseph Phillips about a month ago. And then what happened over the last seven days, I mean, it's just never really happened before, guys. Zach, I mean – yeah, it feels like the type of situation where Hugh Freeze has already turned things around. I mean, is one domino going to keep turning into it? I mean, Aubrey, Aubrey can't land K.J. Bolden, too, right? I think they're going to. Oh, my yeah. God. I think, I think they're going to. Yeah, if, if I had to guess, and a lot of people are doing this. You know, Jeffrey Lee, who he's right way more than he's wrong. Uh, he went on you know a, a na- national show today and – um, predicted it. You're seeing Georgia people predict KJ Bolden, which you know Georgia was the favorite for him for forever. And you know he he talked to Hayes Fawcett, who's you know the recruiting graphics guy for on three, and he put out a graphic yesterday saying uh, this is a quote from KJ Bolden saying it's either Auburn or FSU. They're my top two. And so y- yeah, <laughs> I, I think Auburn can get KJ Bolden. Will he? I don't know. I, I don't know if he's going to go to Auburn or not, but. Um, just talking to folks close to the program, they feel really good about it. You know, why not Auburn? I, I, I can frankly say that. Why not Auburn? Why not in regards to K.J. Bolden and, and what he said? Look, Hugh Freeze is going to be the last person I talked to prior to my commitment verbally. And, and of course, these are verbal commitments. So with you having two signing periods in December along mm-hmm. with the one in February, a lot can go on because you're assuming that someone's going to make it through a high school football season and, and not change their mind in December and then some push it off until February until the last signing day. But again, the ability, regardless of whether Auburn wins four games this year or wins nine games this year, the, the opportunity to go compete and play immediately, I think, is what's fascinating. And then you put that on top of the brand-new $90 million facilities that are going on on the campus. And look, we're going to be doing – Hugh Freeze may get thrown into the pool in the wintertime as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if that involved him getting a commit, he'd be just fine um, going into some cold water for sure. No, I mean – uh, there's been a big narrative, Corey. I just want to highlight one thing you said that, that I don't think is entirely true because so many people are highlighting like early playing time being a reason why Auburn's doing well. And that's been the case for a long time. I mean, Auburn hasn't been able to recruit high school offensive linemen since halfway through Gus Malzahn's tenure at Auburn. And they still haven't been able to, and they don't have an offensive lineman in this class. I think DeAndre Carter's going to commit soon but they don't have one yet. And so I I think these kids are so smart, especially the ones that are going to these teams that have a chance to win a championship like Alabama, like Georgia, like Ohio State, like Clemson maybe a few years ago. 
where they know if you're good, you're going to play. Like They're not really worried about that as much as I think as they used to be. Um, because I, this is about what Hugh Freeze and Auburn are able to do. The facilities, no, no question, are a big part of it. you got to think NIL is doing something right um, with all these top players, at least considering Auburn. But uh, I, I think it's the relationships, and I think it's the effort. Like, I, I, I don't think there's a coach trying harder than Hugh Freeze right now to acquire talent, and these kids notice that. Talking to Zach Blackerby, locked on Auburn. Ultimately, the end of the Perry Thompson recruiting cycle. I don't think anyone was super surprised. I mean, he kind of confirmed it today on the podium at Baldwin County Media Days that, yeah, he's kind of been leaning this way for about a month now. What was the Auburn temperature on it? Was it kind of one of cautious optimism or or was it you know everyone's all in perry's perry's gonna flip we got him yeah on the auburn daily social media pages we put up social graphics anytime a player commits and we were kind of joking we were kind of getting ready for big cat and make sure we had everything lined up for potential commitments or things like that we looked at when we made the graphic for Perry Thompson, and we made it back in April. So this is this is something that's been talked about for months, right? We all know this. Um, so uh, Perry Perry doesn't seem to be good at like keeping secrets. I think he gets pretty pretty excited to talk about things. Um, so uh, this was like the worst kept secret in recruiting, right? I mean, you and I talked about it, Brian, before we went on the air. It's just this this was kind of a well-known assumption. It's just when was it going to happen? And of course, it happened. Uh, of course, it happened Saturday. Well, it's not just the fact that Auburn does have an opportunity because of depth purposes for those four and five star players to come into Auburn. It's the other coaches that surround the atmosphere and the athletic facilities as well. I mean, Bruce Pearl says in two words, it's freezing. So when you have the enthusiasm and the excitement, I I asked a coach about it, Coach Beamer at South Carolina during SEC Media Days. What does Don Staley and the Women's National Championship Basketball Program do for his football program? He said, look, the recruits are more excited to see Don Staley and meet her than they are to meet me. So it's the same thing with Bruce Pearl and the excitement that he's helping generate for the football team. But th- this type of excitement that around Auburn football is we get ready for that first week in September in college football. I can't recall another time when we're looking a full year ahead or in the January early enrollees ahead for the type of excitement that regardless of whether Auburn wins four games or nine games, there's still going to be tremendous excitement knowing what Hugh Freeze has coming to the Plains. Yeah, I mean, there's hope. There's hope for the future. And a lot of people kind of created a narrative when Brian Harsel was fired after a year and a half that, Oh, if you if you can't win right away at Auburn, they're not going to keep you, and that's not true. That's not true at all. But you need to do the job well, and regardless of what Auburn's record is in 2023, there's a belief that Hugh Freeze is doing the job well. And obviously, you probably will lose a few commits because I think some of it you're kind of hoping you can point to some proof of concept and they stay committed because they're like, oh man, they can do that with him. Imagine what they could do with me. Like I'm sure that's going to be part 
of the continuing sales process, as we noted earlier in the conversation. It doesn't matter until you sign in November or in, in December, rather. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, there's hope in the in what's happening. You know, season ticket sales are, are breaking records at Auburn. I mean, there's energy. There's energy around the program, and Hugh Freeze is a big, big part of the reason why. Well, I know a big reason that you're excited is the fact that they're actually going to be on the practice field beginning on Thursday, and I know that preseason camp players report on Wednesday. The excitement about covering that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll kind of get some weigh-ins and check-ins and all that on Wednesday, and then we'll get a little media viewing window on Thursday. We'll be to see who's lining up where and kind of who's who's there and who's not. And, you know, it'll be basic stretching stuff, but at least we'll have something to report on and speculate about instead of just, you know, hypothetical rosters, movements, and depth charts and things like that. So, yeah, the off season uh, it's almost done. We've made it, gentlemen. We've made it. Uh, we get football to talk about soon. Absolutely. And Zach Blackerby, how can everyone follow your coverage of Locked On Auburn? Yeah, Locked On Auburn available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. New shows every single morning. Also, all of our written coverage for Auburn is at auburndaily.com. And if you're into the Atlanta Braves, check out bravestoday.com as well. Well, I tell you, because football is here, we didn't even have a chance to touch on your Braves, but they were able to beat up on the Brewers in a in a home run fest yesterday. So I know that made you happy to see Atlanta take one from the Brewers. Yeah, they needed a sweep. They've kind of tripped out of the all-star break. So hopefully that kind of got things going. Playing the Angels starting tonight. And so obviously Shohei and – Mike Trout, that'll be that'll be fun to see. You know, the Angels aren't very good, but they've still got some stars on their team for sure. So, uh, yeah, they need to keep this win streak going for sure. Appreciate you, Zach. Always a pleasure. And we'll be talking about the pads popping here in the next couple of weeks as you join us on Mondays. Sounds good, guys. Talk to you all then. Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn, joining us this Monday evening. And we'll be right back here on The Final Drive. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Bronner, joining you this Monday evening. We want to thank everyone for tuning in here to the final drive. And there's been a lot of going ons in high school football, collegiate football, NFL football. Of course, toward the latter part of last week, we got a chance to hear Sean Payton kind of put his foot in his mouth. And you were waiting to hear a little bit from Aaron Rodgers. And this weekend, the NFL Network had an opportunity to sit down with them. Bronner, are we not able to pull up that audio? So with that audio not being able to be pulled up, basically what was said by Aaron Rodgers is he chimed in on taking up for Nathaniel Hackett. And I, I know that Coach Payton did apologize. And because he apologized, I have tremendous respect for him. But 
when asked about it, you knew that Aaron Rodgers was going to have something to say. But ultimately, when you look out on the football field, that's where it's all going to be decided. And I, I think that the Aaron Rodgers backing of Nathaniel Hackett wouldn't have it any other way for your players to back a coach. And basically he said, man, look, Sean Payton, you need to keep my, my coach's names out of your mouth. And I like the fact that he was dealing with that. And, of course, now when we switch gears from the NFL over to college football, of course, the Maxwell Award watch list, the nation's best football player, one from Alabama. And, of course, South Alabama having an opportunity to go ahead and literally not only the Jaguars, but the players from the South Alabama area, LaDamian Webb and Jermaine Skull Brown, who used to play at St. Luke's, who is currently the running back at UAB. So you have two Carter Bradley, two South Alabama players, Carter Bradley and LaDamian Webb, along with Jermaine Brown, all right here, not only from South Alabama, but from this area. The day where South Alabama has more Maxwell Award watch list players in Alabama, that's a, a sign that Kane Womack is doing things the right way. And, of course, Kane Womack gets a verbal commit from Vigers athlete Jerry and Graham, also a 5A state champion in the 100-meter dash, so he can flat out fly and get it done. And South Alabama also with another, another 24 verbal commit from a James Clemens player, of course, Gio Lopez, the true freshman quarterback who was an early enrollee, he's going to welcome one of his former teammates, Nathan Jennings, six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds, chose the Jaguars over Troy, Arkansas State, and Georgia Southern. So that two good gets for Kane Womack and the Jaguar program. Of course, Viger High School's Brandon Purifoy commits to Mississippi Valley State. This is a young linebacker as a oh, freshman. I haven't seen that. He's a good player. Yes, led the Wolves in tackles as a true yeah. freshman. Uh, as a freshman when they won the state championship. So Purifoy committing to Mississippi Valley State. And, of course, from B.C. Rain High School, Ashton Wright, the big defensive lineman, is going to become a raging Cajun. And Ashton Wright, six foot four. 274 pounds chose the Cajuns over UAB and Georgia Southern and you know Sterling Dixon Jr.'s decision to transfer to Spanish Fort gives Spanish Fort two players one that has verbally committed to Louisville and the other one now that is verbally committed to to Alabama so two big time bookends there for Chase Smith and the Spanish Fort Toros in an already very competitive 6A Region 1. And while we're talking about Maxwell Award watch list participants as well, can't leave out Riley Leonard from Duke. He's also from the South Alabama, Baldwin County area. Say, of all the players you just named, he's probably the most likely to win the thing. Uh, you always like your dark horses because Riley Leonard – Named as a Heisman Dark Horse finalist, but when you look also at the fact that LaDamian Webb and the fact that Skull, Jermaine Skull Brown, running back, running back, Carter Bradley, of course, quarterback, to all the love that is shown to this area, 
it's great for not only high school football former athletes, but the college athletes who are on that list. And the fact that you do only have one Alabama player on there and two South Alabama players, what do you think about that, Bronner? Well, Tony kind of said it earlier. It's, uh, it just speaks to the uncertainty at quarterback, I think. Had Nick Saban named a quarterback in the spring, whether they're going to be good or not, you know, they'd kind of default beyond that watch list. Uh, surprised Alabama didn't have a receiver thrown on there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens, man. It's certainly uh, more questions about who's going to be starring on Alabama's offense than who's going to be starring on South Alabama's offense. So, Well, I, I think, but in general, you have Webb from South Alabama, Carter, from South Alabama. Again, Riley, right here from the Baldwin County area, and you have Jermaine Brown. Those type of things aren't coincidental. That just goes to show you the type of athlete that we get a chance to watch on a daily basis, and that makes it so much fun when football season does roll around. Of course, high school football media days wrapping up today in Baldwin County on Wednesday and Thursday will be split for the Mobile County Media Day, and that's always a huge event. So looking forward to attending that and bringing you great interviews from coaches and players on Wednesday and Thursday here on the final drive. That's going to be something that lets you know today starting high school football practice for those teams that didn't have a spring jamboree, it's here. And NFL action is going to be on our televisions on Thursday for the Hall of Fame game. So it's that time of year, regardless of how hot it is, you know, heat and hydration go hand in hand, especially in South Alabama, for sure. Coming up next here, Ryan Green will make his debut here on the final drive. We'll talk a little Jacksonville Jaguars NFL football coming up next here on the final drive. Hi, this is Juan Pierre, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this Monday evening. And, of course, you know, we're all ready to wet our whistle on some NFL football. Of course, preseason football, every single team gets cranked up on the 12th. And you look at what we're dealing with here on Thursday with the Jets and the Browns excited to get some Hall of Fame football and hopefully a future Hall of Famer for the Jacksonville Jaguars will be Trevor Lawrence. And who better to talk to about the Jacksonville Jaguars and their expectations for trying to win the division back to back than Ryan Green. Ryan, good evening and thanks for joining us here on the final drive. Hey, Corey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Well, Ryan, you know, it's going to start with Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, that 
huge season that they had one year ago, especially in the NFL playoffs. That game will probably go down as one of the weirdest and wackiest playoff games in the history of NFL football. But the Jaguars trying to capitalize and become division champions in back-to-back years, really after a total rebuild of this entire franchise after the shambles that Urban Meyer left it in. Yeah, it's interesting, Corey. You know, out of training camp, I was doing a number assessment, and there's 90 guys out there right now for the Jaguars. If you rewind the clock back to the COVID year of 2020, I mean, we're only talking three years. That's not a long time. 36 months ago, there are 75 new players out there. Only 15 guys remain on the roster uh, from guys that participated in training camp before the 2020 season. So it's an 84% overhaul. It just goes to show you, the difference in this roster with general manager Trent Baalke, with head coach Doug Peterson. And, yeah, the excitement in this city is through the roof, not just for Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley's arrival, Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, all coming off career years. And, oh, by the way, Travis Etienne was a 1,400-yard all-purpose yardage tailback out of the backfield. So the Jaguars are going to score, Corey. I don't think there's any question about that. The question is, do they have enough defense to compete with the better teams in the AFC? Well, you mentioned Etienne and and the ability to have someone in the backfield like Tank Bigsby. And Tank Bigsby, the rookie from Auburn, we we just really – we knew he was that guy at Auburn but really never saw his ceiling. Don't really know what that is. Know he's a powerful runner. But to be able to learn from someone ahead of him a couple of years – in for, that have had in the trenches like Travis, I think that's going to work dividends for Tank, and that's going to be one hell of a one-two punch for the Jaguars. Yeah, no, I agree. Tank Bigsby has come in and made an impact. Uh, he's the guy that's going to see the field. He's probably going to be the Jaguars' short yardage back. That was one of the problems the Jaguars had last year, Corey. As good as their offense was, even in that six-game winning streak down the stretch, they had problems on third and one and fourth and one. They had problems inside the five-yard line. ETN's a great player, but ETN's not necessarily going to lower his shoulder and get you one yard on a fourth and short situation. So I think the idea is to wear teams down with ETN and in short yardage, you bring in the tank. Uh, That's what they've done a lot of uh, in this offseason, and I think that's going to be a big role for Tank Bigsby this upcoming year. Ryan Green, 1010XL in Jacksonville. Ryan, let's talk about Calvin Ridley for a minute. Obviously, I think he's a bit of an afterthought in a lot of fans' minds, and it's easy to understand why. I mean, he's been out of the league for a year, but I mean, I think he's going to be really, really good this year for Jacksonville. What do you think? Michael, I'll tell you this, man. I don't know if you guys are fantasy football players, but I am very high on Calvin Ridley this year. Now, look, the bottom line is, He has not played a game since October of 2021. That's the reality of the situation. It'll be 23 months since he's played. Uh, But I got to tell you, there is a chip on his shoulder. He has heard what all the naysayers have said. He is a motivated cat, man. Uh, Just talking to him, um, he is unbelievably excited to be here with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson, but he's unbelievably excited to get a second chance. I mean, the guy was suspended for a year from the National Football League. He's dealt with some mental health issues that have now gotten better. So he's in a better place there. He is 
an all-around guy that just is happy to be playing football again, and he has been one of the stars of training camp. And when you combine him with, like I said, Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram and Travis Etienne, well, if they don't have a Justin Jefferson or a Tyreek Hill necessarily here, guys, but what they do have are five or six guys on an offense that could kill you any given week. One day it might be a Calvin Ridley Sunday. The next Sunday it might be an Evan Ingram Sunday. So it's going to be very hard for opposing defensive coordinators to game plan against this Jaguar football team. Seth Williams is a, a name that I know a lot of Auburn fans remember, and he comes out. What What do you think his role is going to be within this offense? And is he going to be a factor, or is he just going to continue to learn or not even make this roster? Yeah, there, there's a lot of wide receivers. Um, Williams is a good player. In fact, we were talking about him on my show last week. He's a guy, uh, Kevin Austin is a guy that, that some college fans will remember. Uh, Parker Washington is a rookie from Penn State. A lot of those guys are in the mix you know, for maybe the fifth or sixth wide receiver spot. But the Jaguars are good at wide receiver. I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. It's a numbers game. When you have Calvin Ridley, you have Kirk, you have Zay Jones. They love Jamal Agnew, who is their primary kick returner, but certainly is going to be worked in as the fourth option in their wide receiving core. There's only so many wide receivers that you keep. Do they keep five? Do they keep six? Williams is in the mix. He's competing for a fifth or sixth wide receiver spot. I mean, I think worst-case scenario, he's on the practice squad. They do like him, but it's a numbers game at that position here in Jacksonville. Well, anytime you have Trevor Lawrence, he, you want him to have as many weapons as possible. Nothing wrong with being on the practice squad as well as we, you know, you have an opportunity, Ryan, to, to look at Jacksonville and to get things cranked up and started up. Again, the excitement that goes around this franchise. There, there's a little controversy about what's going to go on at the stadium as well. And will the Jaguars be spending time overseas for their home games here in a couple of years? Will they will they move to Florida State and Tallahassee? What, what's been the word about TIAA Stadium is, of course, that's where Georgia and Florida play the world's largest outdoor cocktail party as well. Yeah, the idea is the stadium needs to be renovated. It's the oldest stadium in the league after Buffalo has broken ground on their new stadium. So the renovations are coming. Jacksonville's not going anywhere. The the London thing is bunk. I mean, you, people can continue talking about that if they like, but they've been talking about that for a decade. The Jacksonville Jaguars are not moving to London. Uh, have, remember, the Jaguars were moving to L.A. for like a decade too, right? <laughs> yeah. Everybody's always trying to move the Jaguars and – that's what people want to say, and if they want to keep saying it, fine. Have that, have that conversation. I'm going to live in reality, and what reality is is the Jacksonville Jaguars are not moving to London. They just built a $120 million brand new, beautiful football facility right next to the stadium. Ironically enough, it was Urban Meyer who really started to talk on that two years ago, and it's now a reality. They just opened it last week, and it is gorgeous. To me, that's the appetizer. The main course is when they do the same thing to that stadium next door. Now, what will they do? The idea is twofold. They could play in that stadium during renovations, but it would take double the time and cost more money. It would take four years to play there during the renovations, but you're basically playing in a construction zone. I think, Corey, that's a terrible idea 
The two-year idea is where I think it's going to fall. The Jaguars would have to move out in 2026 and 2027 with the idea that the Jaguars will open up that brand-new stadium in 2028. So we're still three years away. Where will they play? Well, there's three options. Gainesville, which is where the Gators play, obviously. Camping World Stadium in Orlando. But I'll tell you one that's picking up steam. And I'll tell you one that people are really getting interested in. And that's Daytona International Speedway. (laughs) The people in Daytona are very interested. With their infield, they obviously have the stands, the stadium. Now, they'd they'd have to build some things to make it NFL ready, locker rooms, et cetera. But the president of the Speedway, the mayor of Daytona, a lot of people down there in Daytona are really interested in bringing the Jaguars there for two years, which I think is a very enticing situation to play games there at the Daytona International Speedway. Ryan Green, 1010XL, 92.5 FM in Jacksonville. Ryan, let's talk about Trevor Lawrence for a minute. I've, I've, I've caught some flack around here. We're, we're in Alabama country still, and I'm an Alabama grad, and I'll be the first to admit I, I hated Trevor Lawrence in college and, and, and couldn't stand him. I, I've come around to be a huge fan of him in the NFL. I, I mean, I think the guy's right on the cusp of being a top-five quarterback. I throw out his rookie year. He was under the worst coach in NFL history, and people say you can't throw out his rookie year, but I don't, I'm throwing out his rookie year. And I think the things he's shown as a passer, the arm strength he has, the accuracy he has, the mobility he has, where do you rank Trevor Lawrence right now as, as the, in, among the NFL's top quarterbacks? I mean, is he Mahomes? Of course not. Is he Joe Burrow? No. Is he Josh Allen? Eh, I think the conversation might begin there, but I'd put Josh Allen ahead of him. Jalen Hurts? I don't know. Would you rather have J- Trevor Lawrence or Jalen Hurts? I think Jalen Hurts has benefited a lot by that offense he's in in Philadelphia. To me, you know, when people talk about Justin Herbert is better than Trevor Lawrence and people talk about, you know, Lamar Jackson is better than Trevor Lawrence, that's fine. I mean, the bottom line is Trevor beat both of them last year. Trevor drove down the field and beat Baltimore in the fourth quarter, so Lamar Jackson could not duplicate that when he had his chance late in the fourth. And Trevor beat Herbert twice, once out in L.A., 38-10. And then, of course, we saw – the Jaguars come back against the Chargers. So I certainly think that Trevor Lawrence is every bit as good as Justin Herbert. Keep in mind, Justin Herbert has had Austin Eckler and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen to throw the football to. Trevor Lawrence, his rookie year, was throwing the ball to Tavon Austin and Laquan Treadwell. I mean, give me a break. Now that he actually has guys like Christian Kirk, like Evan Ingram, I cannot wait to see what Trevor does with a guy like Calvin Ridley. So, yeah, I think absolutely Trevor is borderline top five. I would probably have him at four or five. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, and then I think Lawrence is in the conversation with every other quarterback in the league, including 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers. You're asking me now. You're not asking me about 2017. So, from here forward, you give me Trevor, Aaron Rodgers, I'm sorry. I'm taking I'm taking uh, Trevor Lawrence over Aaron Rodgers. Well, here's the, the, the question, and Trevor Lawrence and every quarterback in the NFL need great guys to block for him. You know Alabama's former All-American, Cam Robinson. How long will he be away from the program and or from the franchise? And when he gets back, will he be mentally and physically ready? Yeah, Corey, he's had a really good offseason um, ever since the suspension was announced, obviously. Uh, he's been at camp every day, working hard. That's going to be an interesting dilemma. So he's suspended for the first four games. Now they have Walker Little, who played left tackle last year when Cam got hurt. 
with the season-ending knee injury. And they draft Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma in the first round, who's going to be the right tackle. When Cam comes back, you have a problem, but it's almost a good problem. Because now you have three quality tackles, right? You got Walker Little and Harrison, who have played a month by then. And then you got Cam Robinson, who's probably a top 15, certainly a top 20 left tackle in the league. So there's a lot of talk. Will you move Walker Little inside to have all three of them on the field together? How is that going to work? Um, I, I think it's a problem, but again, there are certain problems that are good. And for the Jaguars, it will be a good problem having to figure out what to do with Cam Robinson, Walker Little, and Anton Harrison starting in week five. Ryan, last question for you. We have about 30 seconds left here. Ryan Green, radio host for 1010XL in Jacksonville. What is the win total for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year? Corey, it's a tough schedule in part, right? They play Kansas City. They play Cincinnati. They play Buffalo. They also play the AFC North. So you get Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, et cetera. Having said that, I think the Texans are going to rebuild. They're going to be better, but they're still a year or two away. The Colts are a potential dumpster fire. And I don't buy Tennessee. Uh, that Tennessee offensive line is horrible. So you have six games against the AFC South and four games against the NFC South, meaning you're playing Desmond Ritter, Bryce Young, Baker Mayfield, and Derek Carr. So I think clearly the Jaguars, to me, are a double-digit win team. I think I had them at 12-5 and five when I did it. Remember, they finished 9-8 and eight last year. I don't think 12-5 and five is that far of a stretch. And clearly, to me, guys, they are the overwhelming favorite to win the AFC South this year. Can't thank you enough, Ryan, for your time this evening with us here on WNSP 105.5 in the final drive. How can people follow your coverage of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, at Ryan Green 1010XL is my Twitter handle. And uh, 1010XL and 92.5 FM were the flagship of both the Gators and the Jaguars here in Jacksonville. And my show is in the evenings over here in Jacksonville. In fact, I'm getting ready to drive to the radio station right now. I'm on every night, 8 to 10, here in the evenings in Jacksonville, Florida. Ryan, thank you so much, and we look forward to keeping up with you and the Jaguars throughout this season. Hey, Corey, thanks, buddy. Anytime. Ryan Green making his debut here on the final drive as we're revving up for the NFL season to get started this Thursday. little preseason action, Hall of Fame game for you. On the other side of this break, we'll know what day it is, and we'll give you a recap. And tomorrow, Vern Lundquist joining us here, scheduled to join us on the final drive. That's right, Uncle Vern from CBS Sports, formerly of. Look forward to catching up with Vern Lundquist tomorrow, so you don't want to miss that interview tomorrow. But we'll wrap up the final drive here in just a moment. This is George Pada, bench coach of the Houston Astros, and you're listening to WNFT. It's Monday, but we always like to know, Michael Broner, what day it is. What day is it, Mike? Listen, guess what today is? <laughs> what day is it? National Trail Mix Day. I don't know if you're a big fan of trail mix, but if you are, break it out. Good good little snack for you. International Cabernet Day. If you like a little wine in your system, you can get that too. 
as well. But want to thank all the great guests here on the final drive on this Monday edition. Tony Sakalis, Chase McCabe, Zach Blackerby, and Ryan Green. All great guests on the final drive. Of course, tomorrow scheduled to join us. Vern Lundquist, Uncle Vern, will be joining the final drive right around 3.30. Chris Gordy and John Hendricks will give us a recap of what's going on in the Saints camp. Wanted to give a shout-out to Sterling Dixon Jr. making his decision to transfer to Spanish Fort. That's a big-time decision for that young man and his family. Of course, South Alabama gets the verbal commit from Viger athlete Jerry and Graham, along with from defensive end out of James Clemens, Nathan Jennings. Want to congratulate Brandon Purifoy for making his verbal commitment to Mississippi Valley State, the linebacker from Viger. And, of course, Ashton Wright from B.C. Rain. He commits to the Louisiana Raging Cajun, 6'4", 274 pounds. Tomorrow, we'll talk a little bit more about Aaron Rodgers and him chiming in on Sean Payton. We'll also talk Dr. J's top 10 all-time list. Some big-time names. Dr. J, man, I I don't know, brother. I can't call you Dr. J behind his all-time list. We'll get into that on tomorrow's final drive as well. We'll talk about the mess that is the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor. And we didn't get that into that trade. at all today. Man, so much going on. Jonathan Taylor, it's a huge mess in Indianapolis. So we'll talk about that tomorrow as well and see if the Colts are able to bring the bag to Jonathan Taylor, who deserves a bag. Hopefully he doesn't hold out because you, you need his services if you're the Colts. And, of course, want to thank everyone for tuning in here to the final drive. Of course, again, tomorrow, Vern Lundquist scheduled to join us, CBS Hall of Famer, College Football Hall of Famer, always great trying to catch up with Vern Lundquist. Want to thank everyone for checking in this afternoon and this evening to the final drive. Look forward to doing it again tomorrow as, again, three days closer to NFL football. John Reschetti's Miller Lite Golf Show coming up next here on WNSP 105.5. Thanks for checking in.